Welcome to the Pursuit Friends Church Network of House Churches podcast. I'm the planner and lead pastor, Brian Donahue, and I'm joined by Kristen All, who is the director and pastor of Network Ministries. We're excited to share about what God is doing at Pursuit Friends Church as we build this network of house churches. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how God is moving and working in our midst, updates and news on our progress, but we really want to focus on sharing what we are walking through from God's Word each week as a church family. So grab a cup of coffee, your Bible, and join Kristen and myself as we share how God is moving at Pursuit Friends Church and as we discuss what we learned from our Bible passage this week. We're glad you're here. Stay tuned. And welcome to episode 15 of the Pursuit Friends Church Podcast. I'm Brian Donahue. I'm here with Kristen All, and we are excited to dig into 1 Samuel 26. Such a great passage. But first, before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about Pursuit Friends and the week we just had. Kristen, it's good to see you. Glad you're thank you. Glad you're here in the Pursuit Friends studio yes it's it's lovely to be in such a high quality studio right, here right it's it's slash since we're going there it's a studio slash office slash homage to star trek and <laughs> entry zone to kids ministry entry zone to kids ministry next door yeah, yeah. so um how was uh your house church this week it was great uh we uh uh, as a family, probably stretched itself just a little thin because we went to Michigan to hang out with my parents, which was fantastic, and uh, took advantage of Sunday evening church. So we got home around four o'clock um, and reset up. But we had just a, a great evening and um, really appreciating the guys in our worship band and the job that they're doing every week. Um, Joe and Jay and Stephen, who is leading that, he's just doing a great job and. Um, it was a really sweet time um, of worship awesome. this week. Yeah, awesome. I, as a worship leader, I appreciate sweet times of worship. Some sometimes we tend to what was it underestimate how important that is yes. to our being refreshed and just energized and just given the presence of God's space to come and settle us down and bring His peace and it's it's important. Yeah, one thing that's been interesting is um, at Aaron's suggestion, we do our Bible study first, and then we worship. I don't think there's any magic to any order, but it has been interesting because it is different in that mm. uh, you've kind of already shifted gears out of your week, and mm. you've been reading the passage, and I find that uh, the Holy Spirit is usually talking to me about that passage during worship, which is kind of a cool thing because then we get back together and pray afterwards. So it's right. just been a, uh, an interesting rhythm that I'm enjoying. That's cool. And I love the fact that, um, first of all, you're open to suggestions oh, well, as a of leader, um, which I know that. Um, but it's um, really important for us to be, we talk about it a lot, but to be flexible and try different things. Yeah. And uh, I did like it when me and my kids came and visited your house church, how that, that gave it a little bit different feel. Right. And it was great. Yeah. They're, you know, we tend, and I, I, I tend to get wrapped up in old ways of doing things and, you know, worship first, right. then the preaching. Isn't you know? that in Genesis? This is the order of worship. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's it's refreshing. And I, I you know, it's whatever works, too, for Right. Each house church. Right. Um, and that that I also love that we have another leader in our midst that's sewing into what you guys yes. are doing there at oh, Deborah 100%. House Church and uh, trying new things and rolling with it. So that's good. Uh, what was your theme for food, too, by the way? Oh, I Thanksgiving. Forget. Thanksgiving. Oh, of course. So we okay. had uh, green bean casserole. We had a wonderful turkey rice curry kind mm. of thing. Very okay. good. Joe made his famous pumpkin pie. Uh, we I had, didn't know he had a famous pumpkin pie. Didn't you know? No. Brian, <laughs> you've not been paying attention, I don't think. I, I can't I believe don't know who's, you don't know this. Who's let down more? 
the fact that I don't have knowledge of this or the fact that he's never made it for me? Well, you know, you <laughs> may have time to rectify that because in our house, pumpkin pie season starts in like October okay, or September yeah, right, right. and goes all the way through the holidays. <laughs> As it should. As it should. It and should. it is his grandmother's recipe, um, and he is the official <laughs> pie maker. Okay, yes. that's very cool. Yeah, it I is cool. I did not know that. Yeah. I knew he was the official bean dip maker. Also, his other specialty. But I did not know yes. about the pumpkin pie. Yeah. Uh, we did not have our normal gathering this week because my son Brody was uh, uh, had a fever and not feeling well. So we just decided, hey, let's just play it safe. Nobody wants to be around a kid who's sick, um, even though I know everybody loves Brody. Uh, we nobody do. wants sick Brody. Um, and so, ex- I mean, you know what I mean? That's kind yeah. of a weird thing to say. Nobody wants sick Brody. We, I, I was going to let it slide, Brian. Right. I, I was I just, just... going to move along. <laughs> <laughs> we are all beloved no matter our circumstance in life. Uh, but, uh, you know, we just said, hey, we got Zoom. Let's do a Zoom gathering. Uh, not cancel altogether, but just, you know, get together for the Bible study and fellowship, which really, honestly, Zoom had a lot to do with bringing us through the pandemic. Zoom, I credit Zoom and what God did in that format for us through the pandemic as literally saving us and getting us through healthy through the hardest part of the pandemic. I agree so much. And it's um, it kind of goes back to what you said before, being willing to try new things. I remember thinking, man, you know, okay, this is theoretically possible and we need to do what we have that's possible. But I really didn't have a sense of just how rich that was going to be, the the relationships that would form over Zoom. And I also think that is part of how God led us to having more of a discussion format because of those discussions yeah. on Zoom oh, where we so learned how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, my, my mind is just blown. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I knew that somewhere. Well, in I think my you brain, have. But We've I talked just, about it, I think. I just, right now, I'm just maybe I'm just refreshed in yeah. the blessing of God and the grace of God in that, that He led us a certain direction. Yeah. And, um, and we are, we're also reminded on the Zoom gathering uh, that. My folks in the Zittles started attending, quote unquote, Pursuit Friends Church during the pandemic on our Zoom Wednesday night calls and our Sunday morning fellowship after we did the live stream service. So uh, they kind of talked about that real briefly and said, hey, it's just like old times. um, And so that was neat to be reminded that God um, blessed us with two new family units through the pandemic because of Zoom. Right. And that was a that was kind of a tough call for me as a pastor it was a tough call uh go that route uh but i really like honestly i'm not over spiritualizing this christian i i think we've really felt led of god that that we've got to do this and we've got to do our best to be happy about it and to embrace it and to and to approach it with as much passion as we would if we were gathering in person and I think attitude is everything when it comes to anything <laughs> in life. And we had enough good attitude. We, of course, you know, there were folks that struggled with it that didn't necessarily engage with it. But even in there, God gave us grace. And, right. um, you know, when we gathered back together again, like, you know, a lot of those people were still there. Yes. Um, it's, it's not that they abandoned pursuit friends and what we're doing. It's just harder you know, right. um, to do that. Not everybody, it's easy to get on Zoom and have that. Um, and, but we're just blessed. Uh, it was just a, it was good. It was, I was a little bit disappointed because I was, I've got a new setup up in the living room. Ah. We're switching things around. Our Christmas stuff was up too, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? When Brody got sick Friday, it was really cool. I noticed a difference in my overall attitude. I was a little disappointed but I wasn't crushed. It wasn't right. like there was this heavy, oh, my gosh, the church is going to fall apart because <laughs> we don't meet this week, you know. Right. I know right. there's a difference between little church and large right, church right, and different right. things you have to consider. But uh, it was also refreshing for me to realize some of that weight, that old baggage yeah. has fallen off of me even more that I was just at peace with the fact, hey, we're just, you know, going to do this. Don't you think some of the 
some of the gift of small church like we're doing also is that authenticity is just woven in. You know, when you're in a big corporate setting, you would have sucked it up and somehow nobody would have necessarily known that that's going on in your life that week. You know what right, I mean? Right. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but there is an intimacy that's built in to me showing up. And when, you know, people come to my house saying, hey, guys, I'm really glad to see you. And we got home an hour and a half ago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and they appreciated that we were there and they were willing to take us, you know, with half our brains still on the road, yes. you know, on the way home. It, yeah. And it's that um, being built into the everyday stuff of people's lives happens without you'd have to hi- I don't know if you could hide what's going mm-hmm. on in this kind of church format, which yeah. I really am enjoying. Yeah, and, and there's a there is a real pressure in different settings of church yes. to perform right. at your top best yeah. um, every single time you're on the stage. And even I, if I, it comes from inside of yourself. Right. Yeah. Even, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm just of, speaking of some woman that I know. We're the body of Christ. We're filled with grace and, uh, you know, yada, 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 yeah. right? At least most of us are. Except towards um, myself. Yeah, except, right. <laughs> <laughs> except for those critics that always sit in the back and right. want to judge everything. But, uh, uh, but there, there is pressure in a larger church setting in, in to perform uh, because we're trying to get people in the church, right? We're trying to get people to come back next week um, and all for good intent, all for the right reasons, hopefully, most of the time. Um, but it is, that is something that I've found myself more and more having to just let the Lord have this, also this in, inward desire for me to be a performer yeah, and to be at my A game. And on those weeks that I'm not feeling as hot or in, and by hot, I mean just on my A game, yeah. uh, uh, is it's okay. You know, right. we've got a church of people that um, don't have those expectations. And that's not why they choose to come. Exactly. If that was their priority, yeah. they would go somewhere else because right. this right. is not the format for that kind of polished. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And our discussion just, you know, I, I mean, as leaders, we need to be prepared as much of as course. possible. Right. Um, but if we have a week where maybe life got a hold of us or you know we're not as prepared as we'd like to be our format of discussion and letting others interject and be a part of this really opens the door for us to uh, just relax more and to not have that standard of I've got to perform and I've got to say all the right things and do all I got to look at you know all that stuff you know right um that it's about the whole group it's about what God is doing amongst all of us yeah. Not just in the pastor right. or the leader of the right. house church. Right. So I'm loving that more and more. The yeah. more we do this, the more I love that. Um, and it's really cool to see people uh, in the house churches, because we're not going book by book through First Samuel even. Um, part of the reason is because we're approaching Christmas here very quickly. <laughs> so we're going to, we want to talk about Jesus. Um, uh, but you know, I'm excited, Kristen, because our folks are reading between the chapters. Right. They're studying God's word more now. I mean, I'm hearing audible yeah. um, uh, uh, signs of people saying, yes, I'm reading. I want to know what's coming next so I can study ahead right. of time. Absolutely. Um, and if we were just preaching. Right. Who it's knows passive. how that. Yeah. Who knows how much of that would be. Hopefully it would go on. But let's be honest, folks. The average churchgoer doesn't open the Bible any other time than Sunday morning. Yeah. And there are Christians that definitely do. There is a hopefully a large remnant of Christians that do that, that, that are hungry for God's word. But the average churchgoer in America simply does not open this book in Monday through Saturday. And so I'm excited that we've got an atmosphere and a culture of studying God's word, not just on Sunday morning, but that the Sunday morning Bible study and discussion is urging and driving people to get in God's word all the more. Yeah. And I think that that modeling of here's how you can open scripture 
and hear from the Lord that we're doing on Sunday morning that becomes so easy to do to replicate otherwise you kind of get this impression that you know it takes a, a professional and hours and hours of study and I am a big consumer of those kinds of messages. <laughs> I am a scholar, so I bet it's no no shade on any of that at all. But um, it has been cool to see the discipleship, the skills. We're basically practicing in a group what right. people do, can do on their own during the week. And yeah. it has been translating, and, and it's exciting. It's cool to see God having this actually happen for us when we yes. talked about it, when we started. Like, wouldn't it be great? Yeah. If people like started digging into God's word throughout the week on their own, that this would actually stir people to do that. And we're seeing that in our house churches. And it's just this this past week, it just really hit me. Like, wow, God, we talked about this. You put this in us, this desire for that to happen. And it's happening. And uh, so praise God for that. He gets all the glory uh, for that and what he's doing and making us hungry for more of his word. Really, truly. Yes. Um. And because that will feed all the other areas of our lives. But before we jump into the scripture here, Kristen, I'd just like to, uh, for those of you that are interested, this Sunday, December the 5th, we are having our family reunion slash night of worship at Hartville Church of the Brethren. That'll start at 4 o'clock. We'll open the service up with some worship. We're going to have a kid's message um, Matt Zittles did a great job last last month and is going to present a message for the kids again this month. And uh, we're going to have communion together. Aaron Bunnell is going to uh, give communion. Uh, Kristen's going to read some scripture and share a little bit. And we're going to have times of worship. And then after that, we're going to continue our worship and our service as we go into the gymnasium of that church and have a fellowship potluck together. And the theme is Italian. <laughs> Which I I pulled some pastor card strings to this week because we were supposed to do Italian Sunday at our house church, and we didn't because we were on Zoom. So yeah, I I may have poked my wife a little bit and said, "Hey, let's uh, you know well, I'm, I'm excited. The, yeah. I'm the pastor. I would can I make a request, please? Uh, so right. Italian, and uh, it's going to be great. And uh, I'm also excited because. We're starting to talk about Christmas Eve, yeah. And uh, we've got a special thing. We're gonna. Uh, Miriam is working on teaching our kids how to sing Silent Night in French. She is fluent in French, so on our Christmas Eve service, bef- towards the end of the service, hopefully all the kids that are there will yeah. have been lessened a little bit yeah. um, in French, and will come up and be a part of our service as we begin to light candles. Um, Hopefully, I should say that. I don't know that for sure that we have permission to do that. But oh, we have to have I think candles. We've, we've got to. I'll, I'll get on that. It's yeah, on my list. you know, it's uh, not Christmas Eve to me if I don't get wax <laughs> on my okay. pants. You know, that's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, and so, anyways, uh, excited about Christmas Eve. That we're, We get to do it at Hartville Church of the Brethren. We're so thankful for our friendship with Pastor Anthony and his wife, Dana, and their congregation opening their doors for us and we get to have christmas eve service on christmas eve night because that makes total sense on <laughs> at 6 30 p.m and of course anyone is welcome to join us and celebrate the birth of jesus christ that way uh at 6 30 on christmas eve so Kristen, without further ado um let's dive into this would you like to give us kind of a little bit Behind the scenes, what, what happened since chapter 20? Just a few things that will help us as we dive into chapter 26. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so we leave David and Jonathan in chapter 20 with David on the run. Um, and, you know, this period of him being on the run goes on for like 10 years. It goes on a really long time. Um, and Saul continues to stay in character also by killing Uh, a whole city of priests because they assisted David while he was on the run. Uh, David is given the opportunity to sneak up on Saul in a cave and take his life. And he uh, is struck by conscience, the Holy Spirit, and decides that he cannot do that. And um, Samuel has died, and we are picking the story up then uh, with David and, and the people following him still on the run in and out of enemy territory and wherever they can find a safe place uh, to stay away from King Saul. Yeah, so 
I think that's a great, that's a great, I'm glad that you brought us right there, Kristen, because I think it sets the stage for us to understand the mentality of David and his men. Yeah. Because he's got roughly around 400 men with him. And I loved how you said they're going in and out of enemy territory. Yeah. Um, and this is hard. Yeah. We're going to see a couple phrases in this passage where just see David's like, I'm tired of this like right. this is not <laughs> what I had envisioned and uh, I don't really think it's what Saul envisioned originally either but it's where they're at and uh, so David who is tired we've got about a 10-year period here that he's been running and hiding from Saul so this isn't like it's a few weeks right this is a prolonged season in David's life right we think the pandemic's been long we're right. going on <laughs> We're not, I shouldn't say that. I don't even want to say that. We're, we're not even getting started, right? On, and I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do want to say, though, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, and this is how we'll tie this into um, this we'll passage, yeah. uh, best attempt, okay. uh, where I remember the first few weeks, you may recall this, Christian, I was like gung-ho, like I was, I was messaging all the friends, pastors on our pages and yeah. encouraging people like, come on, pastors, we got to step up. More people are going to hear the gospel than ever. Yes. This is actually a blessing. Yeah. Like get online. More people are going to hear you talk about Jesus than ever before, potentially. Right. Yeah, right. And but in the back of my head, I had, OK, Lord. I think I can do this for about three or four weeks. Yeah, I could hear that in your voice. It, right? Early on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was strange. I probably annoyed just about everybody around me. Where, I was just a little worried for right. when, when what I thought was the reality was going to sink in. I was uh, kind of holding my breath for when the was, other shoe dropped, you know. Well, and, and I was trying to have a good, I was trying to you were, lead by example which we and need have a to good, do. you know. Yes. But uh, yeah, I was a little over the top. And I think in my back of my head, I was definitely going, okay, God, three, four weeks, a month tops. Right. We can do this. We got this. Right. We're going to be warriors for Jesus. We're going to tell people about Jesus, all that stuff. And then Easter came. Yeah. That was and tough. And I was like, oh. That was tough. I'm, my family's going to be alone on Easter in our house, in the basement, recording the service on Easter. Yeah. And we're not our first Easter together. Right. Right? It was uh, like, w- oh, It got, was. It probably got, yeah, because it was our first Christmas. We started Christmas. in June. Yep. We got a first building. Christ- yep. 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 We had the and Christmas in the building. Yeah, we had the then... building and everything. It was like, oh, it's going to be fantastic. And Easter came. I, I did my best. I tried to be you energetic. Did a great I tried job. to, yeah. all that stuff. And then it kept going, kept going. And it's like I had to learn all over again about seasons. Yeah. And man, my timing is not the Lord's timing. And okay, Lord, what do I need to learn? Help me learn, you know, help me grow, help me, you know, it's cheesy, but be the best that I can be in this situation. And here we have David. That was a little over a year for us, which is different for us in the U.S. Right. Our seasons tend to be a little bit smaller than a year and a <laughs> half, you know. And uh, But for David, imagine 10 years, guys, of running and trying to live up to what his conscience and his heart is telling him, his conviction about Saul not killing him is telling him. And here we are uh, in chapter 26. And, I, and I'll just start this off, Kristen, like this, where um, in verse 2, then, then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, where the Ziphi said, hey, here's David. We know where he's at. Um, and Saul's already promised not to kill david or chase right. after him but here opportunity arises yes and it's and he can't resist it and saul takes three thousand chosen men of israel with him to seek david david's got 400 men yeah um and that to me stuck out like whoa well and those 400 are outsiders they're mm-hmm. they're they're not chosen for their skill they were chosen mm-hmm. because they were the misfits right yeah who joined david yeah. so yeah and yeah. and so three thousand against four hundred plus one David. Um, one Saul, is the king. One Saul, is the <laughs> yeah. Saul respected David's ability. Yeah. At the very least, even if he was jealous, Saul knew David was a bad, bad man when it came to fighting, and you know, and I mean bad by good. Like yes. he was, he was really good. 
um, and also that insane jealousy. That's what I struck me, Brian. I think that's interesting because I think you can read it either way. You know, was he being calculated or was he just out of his mind letting the his jealousy run the right. show like or could it be both right well, you know he's a human being right and if my human heart is any example it is n- almost never not mixed in yeah, its motivations right. so right. yeah right. good point so david is running saul is chasing and david sends out spies and s- Sees that Saul's, it says in verse, I love how it puts it in verse 4, David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. It's not just rumor. He wanted to make sure, which makes sense. You're running, you're hiding, you're tired. You want to make sure you're not going to run if he's not actually there coming after you. Um, And so here we go, David and and Abishai, Abishai. Don't look at me. Abisha. Uh, I can't do English I'm gonna names. Say, I'm <laughs> going to say Abishai for the sake of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, sneak into the camp at night. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they were thinking here? Because, I, I mean, there there doesn't seem to be any clues i didn't pick up like any right. like like here's what here's what david's plan was or here's what like, and god didn't say hey why don't you sneak into the camp i'm taking care of this nothing is recorded right. there so that went through my mind a lot like what is the yeah. what's the plan here I, I don't i didn't find any clues but it's fun to imagine and, and it says that that they all we get in starting in verse five is that they saw where they were encamped and david saw the place where saul actually lay so, or his spies did, meaning David, right. it could be either or um, there. And so David knows exactly where's he, where he's at. He's got really good spies. Yeah. And uh, he decides, let's just go down. That's all we know. And right. he asks who will come with me, which is interesting. He's not ordering or commanding. Yeah. Because uh, uh, this is obviously a dangerous mission. Yeah, that was one of the points that Stephen Zittle pointed out, how brave David was. Uh, whatever his motivation was, yeah. this is <laughs> this is not a safe, uh, you know, <laughs> adventure here. This so, uh, you or I might not do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I said, "Hey, Kristen, there's three thousand warriors <laughs> over here. Uh, you want to go down and walk amongst like, them?" And where's Devin? I don't know why I'm talking w- in an Italian is- accent, but. What does Devin think? That's right. what I'd be saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and wise you would be, but. Uh, so they go down, and it says, Saul laid sleeping within the camp, verse 7, with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. Yeah. And Abner goes, aha. That's the Brian Donahue version. Aha. <laughs> uh, and he says, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Mm. Now, therefore, please, please let me strike him at once with this spear right to the earth. Boy, that's vivid imagery right, right. there. And I will not have to strike him a second time. So yeah. Abner's better with the spear than Saul is, yeah, I think, barely. right away. We know this. Yeah. Of course, different circumstances here. <laughs> uh, but uh, what does David What does David say? You know what occurred to me this time, Brian, reading this, was um, earlier in the part that we didn't read, David has the opportunity personally to kill Saul, and he chooses not to. And now we're at the temptation, okay, but will you take Saul's life if someone offers to do it for you? Ah, And I just thought that was kind of an interesting (laughs) progression. You know, Um, you wonder even if Abishai isn't trying to help him out. Like, okay, I know you you didn't want to get blood on your hands last time. What if I do it for you? Like, what if I, you know... You That's great. Yeah, uh, it was just it was just something that stood out to me. So, what is David gonna do in this moment, right? Is he gonna let yeah. him uh, do it, really the just thing at this point? King Saul has proven to be a crazy leader, unpredictable. Right. You know, given to fits of rage. Not he has not deserved the office that he's in. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> That's it's a different type of temptation. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we see David's response in verse nine. He says, "Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless?" Yeah. And David understood in this moment that even the temptation was different, like you say. But he understood that he's in charge. Right. 
He's whatever this man does, he's accountable for. Right. As being in charge, as being uh, yep. captain over him or whatever, you know, a commander over him. So um, David goes that route. He says, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. Yep. Vengeance is whose? The, the Lord's. Lord's. Yeah. And who sh- the Lord shall strike him or this day shall come or his day shall come to die. Or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And he takes up the spear and the jug of water. Yeah. And quietly. Maybe they weren't quiet. Maybe they realized, you know. It says says here in in, uh, verse 12, you know, the Lord had caused a deep sleep to come over all of them. Right. So whether they realized this was a miracle type situation that they could... You know, were they still quiet or were they tiptoeing yeah. or were they like, I'll mess with that dude a little <laughs> bit, you know, I'll <laughs> pour water on this guy's head, yeah. you know, like, you know, like, um, that's interesting to me. Just, yeah. a little, you know, did they recognize that God was keeping, cause this is, this should have been impossible, Kristen. Yeah. For them to walk into this camp. There's got to be all sorts of twigs and weird stuff they can step on and snap, well, and there, you know. And there should have been a guard, there obviously. Should, I mean, right. you know, and, and obviously we had some discussion about that in our um, discussion as well. You know, the upshot of the discussion was obviously the author wants us to see that God is yeah, uh, blessing yeah. this mm-hmm. action of David. Whatever, whatever yeah. else our imagination goes to. Um, he's pointing out that God's working with him in this, whatever this mission was that David thought. And the other thing that really stood out to me kind of as a bigger concept here is David, you know, when David was anointed by Samuel decade or so more ago, this cannot be what he imagined that I'm going to spend, you know, a decade or more on the run in, in fear of my life. Right. Like, you know, when, when, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get a great new job. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. I got to spend, you know. And so, but David is unwilling to violate mm-hmm. um, God's laws to move the timeline along. And I thought about that a lot because so often I am tempted um, either by overwork or by mm-hmm. overstretching or all kinds of things, you know, you're tempted to try to move along, even if you are correct in what what God's sure, leading is. Sure, yeah. I'm trying to adjust the timeline <laughs> because I don't like the preparation or this. And other you know. people encourage us to do that, too. They do. That's know? Yeah, that is a really good point, Brian. And they think they're being helpful. Right, right. Yeah. 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 That's that's great, Kristen. I uh Again, God, I just got, I just see God throughout the whole Bible working in seasons in our yeah. lives and in people's lives in the Bible. And yet we still struggle with that, which is yes. human. It's, you know, we right. want, we're in a very consumer driven culture as well. And so we, we want that new car now. We want the new house now. <laughs> we want that new uh, want Christmas the, sweater the now. You know, like should be over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we avoid suffering at oh, all costs. Yeah, That's right? why the Especially. pandemic was so stinking hard on a lot of people. Right. Um, and uh, so David chooses the right thing and tells Abner to take the jug of water and a spear, which are Saul's livelihood. Right. Aaron pointed out to us um, in our discussions and would have been impor- an important symbol for right. David to take. You know, right. hey, I'm, I I got some power here, mm-hmm. fella. I've got, you know, look, I chose not to take your life. But he did take symbols that were for his livelihood. We know they're in a wilderness yeah. situation here. That jug of water is very important to Saul's health. Um, and, of course, his spear, although we know he's not the world's greatest uh, spearman. <laughs> um, but we see David now in verse 13. He goes over to the other side. Yeah. Stands on top of a hill. Dramatic. This is, yeah. you know, I picture the sun coming from behind him and sh- beams <laughs> of light coming through his, yeah. uh, you know, around him and yes. just silhouette. But yes. uh, David's apparently got good vocal cords yeah. um, as he yells across to them. And I love this. He called out to the people and said to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, um, did you, do you not answer, Abner? 
And Abner is Saul's right-hand yeah. guy. He's the guy that should have stirred and been awakened by someone getting so close or perilously. Or should have been awake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's interesting. He calls out to him first. And I love we get this sense of kind of a taunting. Yeah. You know. Um, and Abner says, who, who are you calling out to the king? And David says to Abner, are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then? Have you not guarded your Lord, the king? So he's giving homage to Saul here. For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And we know culturally that was what should have happened. Guards of the king, if something were to happen, would probably very instantaneously be put to death if it was found out that they failed in their task. And so David's actually making a true statement here, not just what he thinks should happen, but what actually happened. Um, And as the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. If you've got your Bible with you and you're reading along, you should highlight the Lord's anointed in all the other things that David says about the king. It's powerful. He is living by his convictions. He is being a man of character and giving honor to a man that does not deserve it from the world's point of view, at least. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. I just imagine David lifting this stuff up like, yeah, (laughs) ninja, David. I told my wife this week, view David as a ninja. She was like, huh? (laughs) That's weird. Well, you know, uh, the Lord had a hand in him sneaking through the camp, but uh, David's, David's, I think, I think I referred to him once as David, the ninja hipster warrior guy that that's kind of my view. But uh, anyways, I, I digress. And what does Saul say in verse 17, Kristen? Is that your voice, David, my son? Oh. Yeah. I don't... I, That I'm struck right now, Kristen, by how powerful that is. Because we've all, probably we've all been in some measure of conflict with family, with friends, yeah. with church people. Um, and there is this, part of the conflict of that, and what makes that so gut-wrenching at times, is when it all is said and done, and when you take away all the fluff and all the words that have been said and all yeah. the actions that have been made, um, there is a love, yeah. especially if we're in the body of Christ, especially if it's right. another brother or sister right. or a family member. Right. Like, even if there's great conflict and yeah. irritation, uh, part of the gut-wrenching thing is that there's relationship there, though, and feeling in love. Yeah. And so I can imagine Saul, part of his torment is one one minute I love this young guy as yeah. my own son and the next minute though I'm insanely jealous of him yeah. and want him dead. Yeah. Um so that's just powerful to me. I think it speaks to the complexity and fickleness of the human heart. Mm. You know, that we can it makes me think of the the uh, verse in James where, you know, we're tossed back and forth by the waves, you know, like if we let those emotions drive us, um, they yeah. can take us places we don't want to be. And, you know, there's question about King Saul's mental health and but whatever else, it's still true that um, the sea of emotion washing yeah. around in here, you know. Yeah. And then and it's shared by both men, I think. I think so, too. And, yeah. and David says. It is my voice, my Lord, O King. But, so he gives Saul the respect. Yes. But he also very plainly describes how he's feeling. Yeah. And what, how he is perceiving this situation. And so the tone here, even though he is a warrior, he is strong and mighty, um, he is blameless in this situation from his perspective, from our perspective. Saul is losing it he's not in favor with god anymore um and david says why does my lord thus pursue his servant so even humbles himself there by calling him his servant 
For what have I done, or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. So in other words, if I have sinned against you right. or done something, right. I, let's do it. Let's let me give an offering and take care of this right now right. in front of all these men. I think that was something that stood out to me this time, how public this discussion right here is. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that really hit me um, as it did this time. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, but if it is, so continuing on from a very long verse 19, but if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. And we know that inheritance, um, I actually did a little word study for briefly this week, which is unlike me. It's totally uncharacteristic. <laughs> um, but it came out in the commentary that I read. I just thought it was interesting uh, that uh, the Hebrew word here is nakala, N-A-C-H-E-L-A-H, if my very scribbly handwriting is correct. And uh, what we see here, according to the commentators, is a developing theological term in the Old Testament where they're really referring to themselves um, as God's special and prized possession. Mm. And so when he adds on to that, sharing... They've cast me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord and to go saying, go serve other gods, meaning go away. You, you've right. got to now go be with the Philistines. Right. Um, You're excommunicated. Yeah. He's saying, yeah. I can't even worship with my own people. I can't be in my hometown. I can't, you know, I, I can't come to wherever the temple is to right. worship and to give sacrifice with as a part of this inheritance. This is a deeply hurtful thing and we see um as even that term go serve other gods this hindering from worshiping god with his own people is an unthinkable cruel offense in the old testament that that idea of miscommunication um or ex ex excommunication uh speaking of is 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 cruel that's what the commentator said uh that i read that this is an unthinkable cruel offense in the old testament yeah. and so david is not just up is not just wondering okay when am i going to get to be king yeah he's hurting in his heart and in his soul because he's not able to be a part of this inheritance of god's prized possession with the people of god um, and so David's expressing that sorrow. And of course, all the men on Saul's side would have understood the emotion yeah. of this. Right. And then David's side as well. Right. And so he says, do not, in verse 20, do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountain. I'll just say this, Kristen, and let you jump in because I thought it was an interesting point. Um, my dad looked up he 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 thought this as one hunts a partridge in the mountains <laughs> how hard can that be yeah. you know um but and i can't remember all the specifics of it but they would do something to stir these partridges up and then they would fall to the ground and they would do it two or three four times and what would eventually happen is these partridges would just become so weary and tired that they couldn't move anymore and so they would walk up and just club them you know, no arrow, no stone, yeah, you know, right. that's how they would hunt these partridges. And uh, so David is saying to Saul, like, I feel like you're just trying to wear me down and tire yeah. me out. And eventually I'm going to get too tired. You're going to just walk up and club me, you know, like it's going <laughs> right, to be, it's right. going to be all over. And so he's expressing a real thing to Saul here. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really... He's offering Saul yet another opportunity to try to reconcile. Mm. You know, he, he is saying, yeah. you know, this is, you, here's what your actions, I, I'm going to give you respect. I'm not trying to take your place, but your actions are doing this to me. And I, if there's something I've done to deserve this, let's make it right. But either way, let's reconcile in front of all these people. Mm-hmm. Like he's saying, you know, Let's make this right. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's pretty um, 
insightful, I think, in how how he handles that. Mm-hmm. He's he's not overstepping the ends. The justified end yeah. here yeah. does not mean that he's allowed to use any means to get there, which is, I think, a lot of what spoke to me in this passage mm-hmm. as we look at what a mess the culture can be and politics and even relationships over the pandemic and all those things, you know, that, that even if they, even if the right end is in sight, it does not, God does not call us to use any means. Right. We're still need, we still um, want to maintain Jesus character in the midst of this and watching David try to kind of shoot the rapids of this mess and be faithful, but also call King Saul out and say, let's try to reconcile. You know, here's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And what do you have to say about that? Like, I'm just going to lay it out right here, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, tone is important. Yeah. And, you know, so, sort of at the beginning of this, I get the sense at least that, you know, there's a little bit of taunting here. Oh, yeah. But when it comes down to it, David is really trying, like you said, to give Saul an opportunity. And he's he's right now taking the high ground, literally. Right. In the relationship. And it's a very public thing, which is powerful. And he's humbling himself before Saul and giving Saul every opportunity to rise to the occasion. Um, and that, you said something, Kristen, that really hit me was that, you know, that any means. Yeah thing and we did see that a lot through the pandemic we we saw a lot of um well-meaning loving christian people right um just want to proclaim truth um with very little sensitivity to um were there, the means godly? There, there, there's, you know, like like people who don't know the Lord, yeah, are gonna live in fear to a certain extent. We do too, yeah, you know. Right. Um, and so there is very little ministry in some areas to the fear that people were really having right. and experiencing. And uh, any means doesn't, you know, we don't we don't agree with that in politics as Christians, right? We don't agree with that when it comes to war. Right. We don't agree with that when it comes to a lot of things, especially yeah, when we apply right? it to our own lives. Right. We don't believe in any means. Right. But there are times, unfortunately, in our culture has this view of Christians in Christianity in this that we just we want to be right more than we want to actually care and minister to the needs of people. And we cloud it or we kind of cover it with, oh, you know, it's eternal. We have to have an eternal perspective. Like right. people, we have to right. care more about the soul and, right. you know, um, but that's just not what Jesus did. No. It is not how Jesus lived. Jesus fed the hungry. Right. He clothed the naked. Right. He did not say to the tax collector or the prostitute, get your act together. Here's a bunch of truth bombs that you exactly. need to know and hear. And this is real love. He said, let's go eat lunch. Right. Let's take a walk. Let's let's talk. Right. And he got to know people. And th- there are there's a time and place. Yeah. Of course, for real debate and real going back and forth. And and sometimes people do need to just hear the hard truth. But it is most powerfully delivered and received when there's true relationship. And you, and that person who who maybe needs to hear some truth knows that you love them no matter what, and tone matters. Yeah, and I think you're right that the is the discussion about um, bringing truth that will ultimately bring healing and blessing, or is it about winning? Right, right. Yeah. And that's where I can get in trouble. Um, yeah. is my flesh wants to win, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you, th- and you can, feel... I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't personally <laughs> struggle. Well, I'm glad that, that you don't personally struggle I'm with that, Brian. Totally kidding. Right. Right. But you know, you know, do I want to feel self-righteous and yeah. correct? And even if I am, it, the, <laughs> I am not called to win by any means. Mm-hmm. I'm called to be faithful and to live yeah. in Jesus character and trust his timing yeah. to bring those things about. And, um, What's what's most important to us? Yeah. Because we can use the word win 
in different ways. Yeah. Okay, this is this just hits me, so I'm gonna say it. Is we win basketball games, we win arguments, um, you know, we win at business, at life, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What if we focused on winning souls? <laughs> like really, you know? Winning a soul does not mean that there is this this check mark we have and we've got okay they're in heaven they're not in heaven winning a soul when i think about it at least and maybe i'm way off here Mm -hmm. as far as the actual meaning of the word but i'm going to apply it this way is convincing it's loving it's stirring it's it's a journey of getting someone to a place where they realize yeah i need jesus more than anything else in my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and so eventually they're in essence one into the kingdom their heart is one over yeah. you know their their mind is one over and that cannot happen it rarely happens by a truth bomb dropped or by someone right. stating something very strongly and sternly yeah um and again there there is a time and place in different settings where where those things do have a place um but in our everyday lives um, I see this passage and I see how David is responding. I wonder how many times in specific, <laughs> specifically <laughs> in relationships, right. would the outcome have been different or maybe would the resolution have been faster if I humbled myself first right? and I gave greater honor to who was right against me or having a different point of view than me and that can be said in so many different settings it's you know i most often apply that to church but it's in my marriage relationship my goodness how many silly arguments have my wife and i had where if i would have just said "Ah, that obviously bugged you Devin. i'm sorry right like like what i'm right i care that it bugged you um i don't you know i may think it's kind of silly in my heart you know but i'm like, uh, I care about how you feel. Right. And uh, so I'm going to humble myself and say, I'll try not to do that again. Yeah. And um, I wonder how much more happiness and joy, you know, yeah. um, in a general sense could be there. And we see David, like, again, <laughs> guys, David is the next anointed king. Right. From the world's point of view, this was God giving him an opportunity. Right. But David discerned it differently. Yeah. Yeah. David said, no, I've actually got another opportunity here. Right. To say, Saul, let's reconcile. You know, what's really striking me, Brian, as we're talking about this, is that's what it means to reveal the kingdom of God. It means to reveal the way things should work and to have the faith that God's going to take care of you. Because in the world... David should take King Saul's life, should have, right? Mm-hmm. He should, ha- or he should have risen up against him or tried to win, you know, and he, it seems reasonable because it seems like the only option. What other option does he have, right? And um, David says, no, that's not the way God's kingdom is supposed to work, right? Because he knows, just like we do, even though it doesn't always change my behavior, that if he takes the life of King Saul, he's just, perpetuating the cycle of that's how leadership changes or that's how things Mm. get done or that's what you do you know um and um i remembered when uh when jay was little he watched um i think it was a veggie tale and there was a short story about how paul when he's in prison wins over the jailers by Mm. being kind to them and they become friends with him and that was really powerful to him as a Mm. little kid about the idea that you could love your enemies into relationship with you and um, that was profound for me as a parent your Mm. kids teach you so much because he was a kid that often um, was bullied by other Mm. kids so the fact that his heart would go there This is the way things should work in the kingdom, not in the sense of let's wipe the slate clean and we'll all start over in the midst of the brokenness. How do we show people there is another way that through Jesus, there is an opportunity 
to cut through the downward spiral that we can get stuck in, you know? Yes, yes. Instead of making more enemies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we, we have so much of this, and we've talked about this way more than I thought we would on, yeah. on this episode, but I think it's where the Spirit's leading us is it, it, we have such, we have mixed our politics, our nationalism, yes. our American freedom in with our Christian faith that it's become very cloudy for a lot of folks. And I, I got to say, it was cloudy for me pre-pandemic. Yeah. I, I had a lot more politics mixed in with my faith, conservative values that I attributed right. to the Bible. Yeah. That, you know, um, and the Lord has just done a work in me and uh, shown me through the pandemic that a lot about our country, a lot about myself, and uh, that. You know, if it all falls, my first priority is not to fight for my freedom of choice. Right. My first priority is to fight for the souls of other people, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, and to baptize people. Right. That's my first priority and highest calling as a Christian, as a human being, is to do that for the sake of the gospel and not to spend so much time wrapped up in how I vote. That's a that's a God thing. Only God can lead Christians to where they should vote and what we should stand up against. And I'm all for standing up against justice or against <laughs> whoa, against injustice. injustice yes. Um and uh you know, I, I I believe there's more we a lot of Christians need to do to stand up right. against injustice of all kinds. Right. Um right. in this world. But we need to make sure that we're standing up for what God has called us to and that we're not wrapping our Christian faith around our politics and around our nationalism and around our uh, idolatrous love of our freedoms. And I was thinking this the other day, and here's how I, here's where I think that this is probably spirit-led, because just yesterday, Kristen, I was standing up in my kitchen looking out the windows, and for some reason, um, the the Lord brought to my heart and my mind um, the persecuted church. Mm. And uh, it was almost like, okay, is there a sermon stirring here yeah, type moment, right. you know, Lord? Um, but our freedom in America that we enjoy, and listen, I enjoy it, I love it. Right. You know, um, I love being able to choose between McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger <laughs> King, Taco Bell, you know, whatever, any restaurant, right. you know. Um, I love the fact that you know, I've got a car to drive, and I can drive from Ohio to Indiana. Right. Um, you know, I don't drive from Ohio to Michigan very often. It's um, a mistake it's, on your part, but I know, I'm working on I you. Where I can grow. Yeah, you can um, grow. I can change. But uh, any, <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, is that, man, we've got all this freedom and liberty in America, but the church is steadily declining. It has been for over 50 years. And... We act like we're the great hope of the world when it comes to the Christian faith. We have all the freedom in the world, yet churches are closing every day. The, the numbers yeah. are staggering yeah. how the church in America is dying and how fewer people than ever before in this country claim to have a relationship with God in any whatever denomination, whatever yeah. faith. There's our, our sp- level of spiritual interest in relationship with whoever that is is lower than it's ever been before and yet in other countries where they're risking their lives just to have one page of the bible in their home yeah the church is dramatically increasing yeah and it's growing like wildfire yeah and they're passionately in love with god and they've got the joy of the lord yeah and yet at any moment someone can bust in the door and kill them all like that yeah. Did you hear my snap? I'm going to do it again just in case. And so, yet we hang on to these, we worship these freedoms like it's, that's what we need to fight for. or Right. We and I've come to the place over the last year where I'm like, God, take it all away if it means revival. Right. Take it all away if it means I've got to depend on you so much that I can actually be in a place where I can receive your miracles like never before. Yeah. You know, my knee's been killing me, okay, since Thanksgiving because I... It's a different podcast. But, you know, pray over my knee. 
you know, God, why don't you heal my knee? You know, I'm asking yeah. my kids because they're magic, you know, yeah. faith <laughs> of a child, right? <laughs> pray over my knee, Peyton Joy. Okay, Daddy, pray and right, be healed, right, you right. know. And, uh, well, it still hurts, you know. Yeah. But I just think I think one of the reasons we don't see God moving in such a way in America, although he is moving in very powerful ways behind the scenes and, you know, you know what I'm saying. He right. is alive and well. Um, but I think we would see more miracles, more amazing stories of God's church growing and more and more people coming to Christ if we didn't worship this freedom we have so much and make that what we fight for and that's what really bothered me through the pandemic was saw a lot of christians fighting for their freedom for whatever that was right rather than saying how do i love and serve my neighbors more than ever before right and so i was challenged by that because i needed to do that more too yeah it it wasn't just a pastor preaching and saying hey you guys gotta do this I was deeply convicted. And then we read passages like this and we go, man, David, (laughs) you know, truth, you talk about truth bomb in my life. Right. This is something I need to receive. Yeah. I think you're so right. And I I think something that's coming to my mind is that um, we have such a sense of entitlement to those freedoms and to those rights. David had every right mm-hmm. to be entitled to be free in his <laughs> in his homeland and to the throne right. he had done nothing um and yet he recognizes that he, he does not have to fight for his own entitlement even to things that are good and right yeah. he can trust the lord with that yes. and it is more important that he lives like god than that he tries to be God right. and get what yeah. he's entitled for. And I think that's kind of the, the the mindset that has come out in my heart as I have, like you, examined some of those values that I had carried around with me um, where I was more worried about trying to be God yeah. than to make sure that, number one, I am like him first yes <laughs> right yeah. and yeah. Th- and then live that out and trust him with the outcome even if it looks like i'm going to lose it yeah. is more important to david that he does this he doesn't know that king saul is not going to take his life right right it is more important to him that he is like god first and that he trusts god with the yeah. outcome even when it looks like that puts that promise that god's made to him in jeopardy yeah. and that is the character that I am trying to cultivate, mm-hmm. even when it means it looks like I may lose. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's because that hate losing. Right, and and we so you know a, a lot of times we're fighting for things that are not wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, exactly. But it, but it, that we we can never allow <laughs> that to become our an idol, because our first call is to be image bearers. <laughs> yeah. Right. And um, this is a hard thing that I think that's just what resonated with me throughout this whole passage, Um, because it feels the world feels a lot messier to me than it did a few years ago. I'm entering this holiday season. (laughs) Right. With a whole so many people I know are grieving losses Mm -hmm. um, of people, of relationships, of ease, of just so much. Yeah. You know, we you know, I had a had a moment um this past sunday peyton and i went to ihop we had a daughter daddy date and she had some christmas shopping to do too so um we went to ihop and we wanted to order a chocolate hot chocolate milkshake peyton's eyes got all excited (laughs) as i said hey you want to get a milkshake yeah i just really she was on you know it was unexpected surprise and so I said, hey, we'd like to get this. She goes, oh, we're out of ice cream. Oh, no. I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, yep, supply issues. She says, oh, we, wow. we only get so much ice cream every day, and it, we have to have it be diverted to the right type of menu items. And when that's out, it's out. And unfortunately, the hot chocolate milkshake oh, is man. not a priority item for our ice that's cream. That's horrible. Uh uh, so, and then we tried to get something else and she said, oh, that's, we don't have that in stock either. You know, the supply chain thing. And so I'm sitting there going, oh man, this is, this is terrible. And then I said, it ain't that bad. 
Yeah. Like right? you know what I mean? Like right. like it was this that part of me of my American mentality of I should be able to um uh is that I should be able to have my hot chocolate have it all right there <laughs> shake, yeah. came crashing down. <laughs> but then I was like, you know what, I'm with my daughter. There's right. a ton of people in this restaurant. We're all enjoying this as best we can. We're yeah. so stinking blessed. Right. And so seeing that, uh, that David, even through this incredibly long season, and, and David doesn't know if God's going to allow Saul to live out all his days on earth. Right. But David may have to wait 30 more years for right. all he knows. And David may not make it. Right. David might. Yeah. I mean, oh, he doesn't I have the power to protect his life, you know, right? right? And so is this more powerful? And so they go back and forth. Saul kind of repents, but it's kind of a surface level thing because we know he's coming right back. Um, but nevertheless, there is a at least a shared piece here, as it says uh, at the very last verse. Uh, so David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. So David's probably breathing at least a sigh of relief that, hey, today nobody has to die. Today I don't have to fight. Today... You know, I get to live. He gets to live. Yeah. And, uh, man, so many times in our lives, that's, that's all we can hope for. Yeah. And we need to be okay with that, church. We need to trust God so implicitly. Yes. So with our emotions, with our faith, with our hearts, our minds, uh, that God is in control. That if we're pursuing his will for our lives... And we're walking in the spirit and we're in the book every day, his word every day, that that's what that's what we need. All some of my favorite worship songs make the statement, Jesus, all I need is you. Is that really true for you today? Is that true for you, Kristen? Is that true for me that if everything fell away in our lives, is Jesus still enough? In this moment, I can say without a doubt. But when we're going through the season, when we're in the wilderness, let's make that true as well. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This took a little different turn than I was expecting it, it to, but um, we'll just trust the Lord to bless it and to use it to challenge and encourage. And I do hope that you've been challenged and encouraged and blessed today by what you've heard and the atmosphere and tone of our conversation. We are blessed as a church body to be able to have this podcast that goes out every week and um, to have this time for Kristen and I to sit down together to study God's Word more. We hope it is helpful and effective in helping you become more like Christ and to becoming a um, more dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ. So we're glad you're with us. If you'd like to donate to Pursuit Friends Church and be a part of what God is doing here in that fashion, um, go to PursuitFriends.org give, and uh, you can give to various different ministries that we're a part of here at the church, uh, and, or just generally speaking to the church as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and uh, we look forward to next week's episode. Episode 16 is next week, Kristen. Um, it's going to be great. God bless you guys. Step into you and see there is-